Today's scripture comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. May the truth of your word guide our steps as we walk in freedom you have granted us today. Thank you, Grace, for that uh, reading those words to us. Uh, you know, today and the next few days, because uh, the fourth uh, happens to fall kind of in the middle of the week, uh, really kind of brings all of our thoughts and attentions to this word freedom. And freedom is even in the language of the church itself. Jesus himself said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. When we talk about freedom as Christians though, what do we really mean? Well, Paul in Galatians chapter 5 defines our freedom in two ways. The first way suggests that we are free from something, and the second way suggests that we are free for something. So I want to welcome all of you uh, here today, whether you're watching online, whether you're here in person, and I want to talk about Christian freedom. Christian freedom, first of all, is freedom from legalistic bondage. The church in Galatia had a theological struggle over keeping the Mosaic laws. In fact, some Jews argued that before any Gentile could become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, they first had to become Jews. And this meant that for adult males at least, they had to go through circumcision. And I'm sure most, if not all the adult Gentiles, probably said, uh, I don't think so. Christians today can also easily fall into legalistic bondage. One example of this is works-oriented faith. 
A faith that's not dictated by your belief, but by what you do or what you say. Let me give you an example. We see this kind of legalism in action. When we go to church and we look around and we see how other people are dressed in church, and we say to ourselves, well, you know, that's really not the right thing to wear in church. They really can't be much of a Christian. Or some people get really bothered by the fact that the church service on Sunday morning sings a different kind of music than the music they had when they grew up. And so they might feel like, well, this service isn't as spiritual as what I remember church and what church ought to be. We hear uh, what Christians and non-Christians alike need to hear is really, you know, you don't have to live up to other people's legalistic expectations in order to earn God's favor to be a Christian. Jesus' death on the cross did away with all of that. All you have to do is to accept the gracious gift, the offer of forgiveness and freedom that God offers you. Another aspect of legalistic bondage is the thinking that we need to depend on obedience to the law of God to be accepted. And by the law, I mean perfect obedience to the Ten Commandments and all the laws in the Bible. Have you ever wondered why is it that God gave us these Ten Commandments to follow? Did he really expect that we would follow those and follow them perfectly? I don't know about you, but I can't. I break the commandments all the time. And then I got to thinking, well, you know, maybe that's the point. Maybe we can't keep them perfectly. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus taught us that God's acceptance of us is not on our perfect obedience to what the law demands, but on faith in him, in Jesus Christ, who bore the curse of the law when he died on the cross. It certainly does not mean that we're free to disregard or disobey the law either. In fact, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, Paul said, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Here's an interesting question to think about, not just during this time, but maybe especially during this time. What is freedom, really? What is it? What does it mean to be free? Is, is freedom to choose to live the way we want? Is that freedom? It is freedom to live and do whatever we want? If the answer is yes, which I think it is, then we are free to choose evil and to live an evil lifestyle. That's also freedom. But when we are evil and do evil things, are we really free? Or is this choice just another sort of bondage? Right? We're going to be servants we're going to be slaves either to God or to our own sinful desires. And what we need to do is choose where we're going to reside and find our freedom in that. Theologian and author John Stott, in his book called Only One Way, wrote of this text in Galatians and said, quote, 
indeed such liberty is an unbridled license is not true liberty at all. It's just another and more dreadful form of bondage, a slavery, a slave to the desires of our fallen nature. That's why in John 8:34, Jesus said to the Jews, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And in Titus 3:3, Paul describes us in our pre-conversion state as slaves to various passions and pleasures, unquote. You know, there's many such slaves active in our world today. They proclaim their freedom with a loud voice. They say, you can't tell me what to do. Or maybe in today's vernacular, it would be, you're not the boss of me. But really, they, they speak about free love and about having a free life. But in reality, they are slaves to their own appetites. It's those people that just cannot seem to get satisfied, right? If I only had the better job, I'd be satisfied. If I only had a little more money, a little bigger house, another car, another this or that, but we're never really satisfied. Besides legalistic bondage, the Christian is free from the bondage to peer pressure. And I think that's a huge thing in our society, our world today. Have you ever heard a young person explain why they're dressed the way that they are by saying, well, I want to dress like a unique individual. And the puzzling thing to me is why so many unique individuals look exactly the same. I think it's because our need to fit in and to belong to a group is stronger than our desire for individualism. When I taught in high school, I would ask my speech and English students how they would define freedom, and they would usually say something like this. They'd say, freedom is not having anyone tell you what you can or can't do. It's not having any restrictions. And I think that's the way that most of the world thinks as well. But as we read the Bible, we see that freedom does not mean the absence of constraints, the absence of moral absolutes. A member of my church once shared with me a quote that she remembered from Pope John Paul II, who said, freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. Suppose a skydiver jumps out of the plane and at 10,000 feet announces to the rest of the group, I'm not using a parachute this time. I want freedom. Now, the fact that a skydiver is constrained by a greater law, the law of gravity, but what the skydiver, when the skydiver chooses the restraints of the, of the parachute, then they are really free to experience the, the exhilaration of this parachute jump. God's moral laws, I think, act in the same way. Yes, they restrain us, but they're absolutely necessary to enjoy the exhilaration of real freedom. The Bible also talks about a freedom from self-reliance for our salvation. There's a lot of people that, that fall into this type of freedom trap, and we feel like 
we're either not worthy enough to be accepted by God or we have to live at a certain kind of, of, of lifestyle in order to make it into heaven, to earn our ticket into heaven. Our self-esteem is so low that we think we need to be worthy of receiving any blessing or reward. And we justify our feelings of inadequacy and our struggles in life by telling ourselves, you know, maybe the reason that I'm not achieving success in life is because I'm just not worth it. I'm not worthy in the eyes of God. And yet, Christ wants us to fully enjoy our freedom by submitting our lives to God's will, to accept the grace of God. Now, some of you have given your life to God, and as such, you are free in Christ, but you're still living as if you're in bondage to the world. See if this scenario describes you. A special chapel service at an Ohio penitentiary, the governor was to grant freedom to several convicts. The suspense mounted as it came time for the governor to announce the names of those selected. Reuben Johnson, come forward and receive your pardon. Nobody responded. In fact, Reuben Johnson looked around side to side and behind him thinking, well, maybe there's somebody else here by that same name. It couldn't be me. And then pointing directly at him, the chaplain exclaimed, that's right, you're the man. Now, after a long pause, Reuben slowly approached the governor to receive his pardon. And later on, when the other prisoners got in line and, and marched back to their cells, Reuben joined in with them and started marching back to his cell. Until the warden called out, Reuben, you don't belong there. You're a free man. Does that describe you? Have you given your life to Christ and yet you don't really see much difference in how you think and what you do? Your life is pretty much the same as it was before you gave your life to Christ. But you see, maybe like Reuben Johnson, you've been set free. But you live like you're not. We are free. As Christians, we are free from legalistic bondage. We're free from bondage to peer pressure, and we're free from reliance, self-reliance for our salvation. But that's not all. The second thing I want to talk about, what are we then free to do? If we're free from doing these other things, what are we free to do? Well, I think Christian freedom is freedom to live in the Holy Spirit. Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit in the following verses after what we read today, verses 22 through 25. Paul tells us how we can recognize that freedom. It's, I want to read those verses to you. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. 
Now the way that this, these verses are constructed in the Greek says that it's plural. There is the fruit of the, of the Spirit, just singular. And we think of it as plural, but it's really not. It's only one, and, and that fruit is love. And if you want to know what love looks like, it's described in the next eight words. Love is joyful. Love is peaceable. Love is patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. And this freedom to love others, I think, produces two more particular freedoms. The first is the freedom to serve one another. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve one another. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So I think the obvious question is, how can serving be a freedom? Well, let me leave the answer to that question up to Jesus, who said, I have come not to be served, but to serve, and to give my life as a ransom for many. I think this is one of the remarkable paradoxes about Christianity. From one point of view, Christian freedom is really a form of slavery. That doesn't seem to to go together, but follow with me here. I'm not saying slavery to the flesh, not slavery to our selfish desires, but slavery to our neighbors. You see, we're free in relation to God, but slaves in relation to each other. The closest thing that you will ever get to freedom is when you freely pour your life into the lives of others. I was really fortunate enough uh, this last Friday, two days ago, uh, two nights ago, to officiate at my youngest son's wedding in Lincoln. And one of the things I told him was something that a minister told Connie and I almost 45 years ago when he said, If you think of the other person in a relationship 60% of the time, then that relationship has a real chance to work. And as Christians, we're called to do the same thing, not just to focus on ourselves only. We do need to do some of that, but we also need to focus outwardly. You know, the psychologist Carl Menninger, an acclaimed psychologist, determined a decade ago what the the treatment that he had for patients with clinical depression that was showing the greatest level of results was to have the patient find somebody else that was worse than them, that they could serve. Patient after patient would return with reports of reduced levels of depression. You're not feeling quite right, a little bit depressed. It's... December and you can't get in the Christmas spirit, go find somebody that's worse off than you and do something for them. Serve other people and you're finding the joy in life that is truly, truly freedom. In Christ, we are also free to share one another's struggles by encouraging one another. Later in this same passage of Galatians, Paul says, And I'm 
reading here from the New Living Translation, share each other's troubles and problems, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. You see, we're not to just put up with other people's sins, temptations, failures, trials, and and struggles, and think, you know, well, that's them, and that's not me. But we have a responsibility for one another. And I think Christian freedom is this freedom to encourage one another. I'm really taking that on. The last four years that I've been in retirement from full-time ministry, I've tried to be more of an encourager. And sometimes being an encourager doesn't always mean, yeah, go. It doesn't mean being a cheerleader all the time. Sometimes it means watching out for people and protecting them from falling into danger. In the book called Restoring the Village, the author writes this this anecdote. says, when I was a 14-year-old high school freshman, school was dismissed early for a teacher's meeting. I conveniently neglected to tell my parents about the change, and I arranged to bring my girlfriend over to my house, and we were not planning on studying. As we were going up the steps, my neighbor, Mrs. Nolan, poked her head out of a window and said, well, you're off home awful early, Jerome. Uh, yes, ma'am, I said, improvising a lame story about how we plan to review algebra problems. Does your mother know that you're home this early, and do you want me to call her? He said, I gave up. No, ma'am, I'll go inside, and I'll call her while Kathy sits here on the porch. He finishes the story with this assessment. He said, you know, Mrs. Nolan saved our careers that day. If Kathy had gotten pregnant, She might not have become the doctor that she is today. And my father warned me that if I had made a baby, the mutual fund he had set up for me to go to college or start a business would instead have gone to the child. I'm glad for Mrs. Nolan that she was at her window looking out for me. What Mrs. Nolan did is what it really means to encourage one another in love. We need to be encouragers. As Christians, we need to watch out for each other. We need to protect each other. It's when we are there to encourage someone who is struggling that the church is the church. It's when we are there to lift up one who has fallen that the church is the church. It's there when we teach someone who is spiritually immature and uninformed that the church is the church. It's when we give hope to those who are hopeless that the church is the church. It's when we demonstrate love to the unlovable that the church is the church. It's when we correct a brother or sister who is caught in an unrepentant sin that the church is the church. In the words of that well-known spiritual, free at last, Free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the freedoms that you give to us. But Lord, help us to remember that with the giving of those freedoms, we also have great responsibility. Help us to know, Lord, that we are free from 
being so legalistic about things that all that's really needed for the foundation of our faith is just a belief in you. Help us to know that we don't have to be like everybody else, that you're not expecting us to be anything other than what you created us to be, that you love us, that we are not in charge of our own salvation, but Lord, we just need to give it up to you. And Lord, help us to live in the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to serve others in love. Help us, Lord, to be an encouraging person for others, even if it's just a smile that we can give to someone else, a helping hand. Lord, help us to know what true freedom is all about. All this we lift up and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.